All right, all right. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are y'all ready for the word of God? Let me just go ahead and make you a promise. You will never forget this message. God is about to open up a door and it is gonna be something that he will remind you of the rest of your life. It's great to have you here. Welcome to all of our campuses of Faith Promise this weekend. Welcome God Behind Bars, we love you guys. Uh, they're setting record attendances uh, in last month, way to go. If you'd like to be a volunteer, Come on, give the Lord praise. If you'd like to be a part of that, uh, you can fill out one of these, drop in the offering bucket, and we'll help get you there. Well, God's moving. It's incredible uh, how God is transforming lives. We begin this weekend, the last quarter of 2019, and we set a lot of goals, and I'm a goal setter, and it's time to put the pedal to the metal. Are you with me? As we move forward the rest of this year. 100 baptisms a couple weeks ago, Wow, was that off the chart. And still every single, every weekend, more and more people are following Jesus in believers' baptism. So we're ecstatic. We're excited about that, excited about all that God is doing. Uh, several months ago, I was in Australia, and Louis Giglio shared a message that so impacted me. I said, I'm going to share this with Faith Promise. Uh, every book I read, every uh, podcasts I listen to, every sermon I hear, I'm looking for God to speak to me, but I am also looking for God to show me what you need. Are you with me? Because every part of our life, matter of fact, even my family, the number one thing we discuss is y'all because we love this church and as your pastor, I want to see you achieve your full potential. So I want to paint a picture that God paints in his word for us and God is powerful at painting pictures so that we will not forget deep spiritual truths. So God, we, we ask you right now that you would bind every distraction, that you would give a supernatural spiritual impartation and revelation of a door that you have opened for us that many of us have missed. God, help us hear it and sense it and walk in a new way. our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, I'm gonna go to what I would believe to be, there are two passages that I would say are the most famous passages, let's almost say this again, not a verse, it's not John 3, 16, okay, because no matter what I've said every service before, it's, it's a passage. There's one in the Old Testament, one in the New Testament, but really, I, it's, a, it's a debate, and I think the passage we're going to use will be the most, the most known passage in all the world. Even non-believers hear this passage. So I'm going to count to three. I want you to shout out what you think it might be. Are you ready? One, two, three. Mm, mm. I think a couple people got that. I think a couple people got that. Now, see, the problem with a text that is so well-known is it's underappreciated. The text that we're going to look at is hanging on your mamaw's wall in needlepoint. And if the Word of God is on mamaw's wall, it ought to be a Word of God for us this weekend. Are y'all with me? And so it's a door that God's opened for all of us, and it is incredible, this door that God wants us to walk through. So don't you miss it, all right? If you're listening, Sam, the Lord is my Amen. Come on, somebody. He leads me beside the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear for you're with me. 
Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, and my head is anointed with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. See, we know this passage. We've heard, when as soon as I say the Lord is mine, you all know, shepherd. And even though we will walk, and we will all walk through the valley of the shadow of death, are you with me? We have no need to fear evil because he's with me. You see, there's a problem with that, and that's we get this image of Jesus that is not real. How many of you grew up in Sunday school? Let me see your hand. All right, tons of you. I didn't. But let me tell you a little bit about the classroom that you probably went to. It was a cinder block building painted off white. There was one window. There were about six chairs in a semicircle and an old dilapidated wooden lectern. Have y'all been to that class? Okay, here's the deal. And there's a picture hanging on the wall. Who's the picture of? Jesus. Let me remind you of that picture. He's gazing far off. His hair is perfect. The sprayed on tan is flawless. His clothes, impeccable, not a spot. Maybe that's the post-resurrected Jesus. Not the Jesus we read about in the New Testament. Are you with me? See, when we think about Jesus, we think about sort of wimpy dude in the picture who couldn't really help us when all hell breaks loose. Does this make sense? See, the Bible says in Psalms 23 that the Lord is my, and listen, my shepherd has got a rod and he's got a staff. He's got a rod to pummel my enemies. Are you with me? He's not some weak, sort of sissified kind of guy. He's a shepherd with a staff, and he will thump our enemies in Jesus' name. Not only does he have a rod, but he's got a staff. It's a shepherd's crook. Now, come on, let's be honest. We're his sheep, right? And sheep are dumb, right? They have no balance, they have poor eyesight, and zero self-defense mechanism. The only self-defense mechanism for a sheep is the shepherd. But the sheep step in the soup all the time, don't we? And we need a shepherd. So the sheep walks down to to the stream to get a drink of water. The sheep doesn't think he's covered with about 50 pounds of wool. The sheep steps into the water with 50 pounds of wool. Now how heavy is the wool? It's 250 pounds, because it's gonna soak up water. The sheep falls over, the the current catches him, and the only thing the sheep can do is "Ah," for the shepherd. The shepherd hears his sheep, takes his, his shepherd's staff, catches the sheep, and brings them to safety. The Lord is my shepherd. He restores my, he makes me to lie down because sometimes I'm not smart enough to lie down on my own. He leads me. He restores me. He guides me. Why? For his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because we understand our shepherd is a champion and he's got a rod and he's got a staff, but it will only comfort us if we recognize it and realize it. Are you with me? Come on, somebody. So forget that Sunday school picture. We've got a shepherd with a rod and a staff. Come on, give him a shout. Come on, get get with it. 
Where I really want to focus is verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. My head is anointed with oil. My cup runs over. Who prepares the table? The shepherd does. Now, if you and I were writing this verse, we would not have written verse 5 like that. Come on, let's be honest. We would have written the verse, Lord, you prepare a table before me in your presence. Matter of fact, Lord and shepherd, if you'd give me a window seat so that I could watch you out in the street with a stick beating my enemies, I'd be good. Isn't that right? But that's not what he said. He said, the Lord is, he said, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Why? Because we live in a war. There's a spiritual war, there's all kind of war. And listen, listen, if you're listening, Sam, guess what? In the midst of the war, the shepherd prepared a table. Let me tell you something about the table. It's a table for two. Now, if we were in a hotel or something, we'd order room service. So, oh, oh, wait a minute. We're faith promise, baby. We can create it on here, can't we? Room service? Come on, let's give them a hand. Here we go. Here we are. Woo, man. I, I hope y'all not hungry because I am, and I'm sure they didn't bring enough for all y'all. So, <laughs> come on. Oh, my mercy. Come on. See, a faith promise, man, we can create it. Are you? It's like, it's like back to the movies. You never knew what was going to happen, did you? When you come to this church, you never know what God is going to do or what will happen next. A few weeks, we've got a weekend called No Tricks, All Treats for really going to hype up. Weekend for families. It's a great opportunity. Oh, would you? <laughs> back away, Sean. This is my shepherd's table and me. That's how my boys ate. <laughs> they didn't eat, they fed. And so what I want you to get is this, that this table, this table, hmm, right? Hmm. Ah, this table's a miracle. Jesus prepared his table for you and for him. No matter what's going on around you, no matter what the doctor says, no matter what your spouse says, no matter what your wayward kid says, no matter what your boss says, no matter what anybody in the world says, Jesus has prepared a table for me in the presence of my enemies. In, in Exodus chapter 25, See, the Bible is full of tables. It's full. It's incredible with, with all the tables. But in, there's called a table of showbread, and it's called the table of the presence of the Lord. It's in the holy place in the tabernacle. And, and this table that Jesus has made for us, this is the table of God's presence, and this is the table of God's peace in the middle of all hell raging around us. Are they going to impeach the president? Are the Democrats going to win? Are we going to, have, are we going to become a socialist nation? What's going to happen? Will UT ever win again? I mean, there are... There, <laughs> what an incredible first half last night. <laughs> if they could just shut it off after that, it'd been good. See, the shepherds prepared a table for you if he's your shepherd. 
See, because you may very well be your own shepherd. And if you're your shepherd, let me tell you what you have. You've got control, and that's incredible. But let me tell you what you don't have. You have Psalms 23 in a little different version. The Lord is not my shepherd. I shall want. He does not lead me beside the still waters or, or in the, the green valleys. He does not restore my soul for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel evil, for you're not with me. You're right in your staff. They don't come for me. You don't anoint my head with oil, and my cup does not overflow. And surely goodness and loving kindness will not follow me all the days of my life, and I will not dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You say, well, that's a bummer. I got it, but you have control. You have control. We'll give you an opportunity in a few minutes to relinquish control and let Jesus become your shepherd. Because I can just tell you, it's better with his control than you trying to control it on your own. Listen, make your own decision. It's all up to you. But that's for people that are, that are far from God that don't know him. I want to I wanna talk to Christians for a minute. And if you're not a believer, you can see the, all the stupid stuff Christians do. So that when you become one, you won't do what we do. Now, would you all agree that Psalms 23 is right? Would you agree that Jesus has prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies? We have two problems. Number one problem, there's an empty seat at the table because you're too busy. You get up in the morning, wow, Jesus, it's going to be a great day. Listen, I so wish, God, I can feast, but... I got to go. The kids, I got this. And I got, I got, I'm so sorry. I'll catch you tomorrow. And we live a life that we don't want to feast with the Father. We want to drive through McDonald's. Because we simply don't have time to take the seat that was prepared by Jesus. Does that make sense? Now, a couple weekends, we're going to start Heart for the Harvest. We're going to be praying for miracles every weekend. And some of us will struggle with the heart for the harvest because of where you are or are not seated. So where are you seated? Are you seated with Jesus? So would you agree that there's a problem, there's an empty chair? Yours. Let me give you an even more dire problem, and that is that we have an enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says the devil's a roaring lion roaming about, seeking whom he may devour. He wants control of your thoughts he is prowling, he is moving, he is aggressive. Are you with me? That's what the Bible says. He is a roaring lion roaming about. And the enemy wants access at your table. Now, it's a table for how many? But the enemy wants access. Now, imagine with me for, just imagine this story. This didn't happen. Imagine with me. Michelle and I are out for her birthday dinner, which I have been working for three months to prepare. We're at Ruth Chris. In my pocket is a gift that I cannot wait to give Michelle. We're enjoying salad. Out of the corner of my eye, I see a table get up, and as they leave, a guy walks over and says, Pastor Chris, Miss Michelle, wow, I go to the Farragut campus. Man, it's great to see you. Hey, tell me your name. It's great. Oh, I'll see you later. And he leaves, Michelle, but a few minutes later, he comes back in. He said, Pastor, listen, I believe the Spirit of God orchestrated this, and I need to sit down and tell you a vision I have. I believe that God's orchestrated this. 
And I'm thinking, no, the devil has orchestrated. Get out of, or do you see what's going on here? Are you with me? And what happens is he is pulling a chair out about to do what? And once he's there, what am I going to do? Michelle will be mad for till her next birthday. I'm just going to tell you now. See, the enemy wants to join your table. And the enemy doesn't need much. You two guys married, right? Yeah, good. Excuse me, pardon me. Excuse me. Just a little. Just a little right here. Just a little. Yeah, right here. There we go. There we are. Come on. Dude, you are huge. Good night. If you would whoop Micah. No, you can't have any. It's not enough. If you would whoop Micah, you'll get to go to heaven for free. Now, see, they were sitting together. You see how easy it is I squeezed in between them? That's how quick the devil will be at your table. A thought, just a crevice, just a crease. And before you know it, the devil is at your table and the devil is eating your food and the devil has taken over the conversation. Just that fast, the enemy's there. So let me ask you a question. How would you know that the enemy is seated at your table? Let me give you a thought. If you're ready, say I'm ready. Oh, oh, that's pepperoni. <laughs> when you think there's something better at another table. You're looking over there. She's a little younger. He's got a little more money. I think I'll go to another table. You'll know that the enemy is at your table. There's nothing better at another table. Jesus warned us that the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And this is what the, once, you let the, once you've given the enemy a seat, he's going to take the conversation over. Now, you're thinking, well, why doesn't Jesus make him leave? Because Jesus didn't let him at the table you did. So he begins to speak like, you're not going to make it. You know that, don't you? You know your marriage is it's no hope. That cancer you got, it's going to kill you. Your kids, <clears throat> they don't love you. Small group, they don't care anything about you. And you'll know the enemy is seated solidly at the table when you start telling your friends what the enemy told you. Hey, my marriage, is, it's not going to make it. I'm, I'm not going to recover from this cancer. My kids, they'll never come back to Jesus. And you begin to repeat what the enemy says. See, listen, Jesus didn't say we were going to the valley. Jesus said we were going through the valley. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And what we've got to do, church, believer, is have a seat at the table with the shepherd and listen to what the shepherd has to say, not what the enemy has to say. Come on. Because <clears throat> the enemy... Will lie. The shepherd can only speak truth. But let's say you're facing a depression or anxiety. You're facing a, a problem. The enemy's told you you're not going to get out of it. This is really a new normal for you. Let me ask you a question. Do you have a problem bigger than Jesus? Excuse me. Then why do you listen to the lies of the enemy? How do you know I listen to him? Because you tell him to me. 
And as soon as you start telling them, I know where they came from. Now, somebody pouring their heart out of us, hard look at them and say, hey, have you left the devil at the table? Because it makes me sound like a jerk. Which, of course, I am. But he is at the table. Are you with me? And you're thinking, it's like, I'm just not good enough. You just don't understand, Pastor. I'm not, I'm not good enough. This is the most incredible church I've ever seen. It's the greatest move we've ever seen in the state of Tennessee. This church is filled with incredible people who have given the enemy a seat at the table and don't think that you've got what it takes to step into ministry, to lead a small group, to serve God. And you're asking yourself the question, am I enough? Listen, the answer comes from who you're seated, seated with and listening to. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep know me, and they hear me, and my sheep knows my voice. Am I enough? Can I make it? Can I ask you a question? How much did this table cost? Do you know what your reservation at this table with the shepherd cost God the Father? It cost him his son on a cross. It cost the greatest price it was ever paid for this table. Before there was time, God knew he would send his son to die on a cross and that his nail-pierced hands would go and prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies and you can walk in victory. So it's time to take authority at the table and kick the devil away from the table for you and Jesus. You say, but... Wait a minute, Pastor, you don't understand. I got all this crap going on. Of course you do. I live in a crap-filled world. Yeah, but you don't understand. Listen, I do understand. Jesus said in this world you'll have tribulation. There's a spiritual war going on. We have fallen nature, man. People are crazy, whacked and jacked. Are y'all with me? They're rip-ropping and raping their own children. We live in a jacked-up world. But we can't give the enemy a seat at the table or we've given away our victory. I was, Michelle and I got married, and I was, I was already on my way to ministry, going to be a senior pastor, and we get married, and <clears throat> she drops out of college, and I finish. We pick up everything we have, me and her and little Candace Faith, and we moved to Memphis, where I'm going to go to seminary, and it was, a, it was three of the most grueling, awful, difficult years of my life. After that, we found ourselves in a little big church plant in little town called South, in southwest Louisiana called Jennings where Kyle Wall grew up, our groups, and missions global pastor. And the glory fell. We were in a dilapidated building. I mean, it was a dump. It had one 110 AC unit sitting in a window in south Louisiana where the state bird is a mosquito. <laughs> Six parking places and a dead end in the hood in Jennings. And God fell in there. People started getting saved. We doubled. We doubled again. We doubled again. The glory's falling, man. People couldn't wait. They, I mean, nobody would miss. God was all over that place. And then I started to hear murmurs that people were mad about how all the new people dressed at church. And I had, I had somebody walk up to me and said, you know, all those new people, none of them are really saved. And before I tore their head off and told God they died. <laughs> As I was mean back then, I'm a love preacher now. I was mean back then. 
I said, what do you mean? They said, well, those, those people are wearing shorts to church. And if they were really truly saved, they wouldn't wear shorts. Really? No, I've read the whole Bible. Why don't you just wear a toga? That's what Jesus wore. You're wearing those pants. What's wrong? And before I knew it, the church split in half. The half that left were furious, hated me and Michelle. They rented a house and got mad that, with a pool and got mad that we swam in the pool because mixed bathing was a sin. As opposed to you, non-initiating mixed bathing is, is both sexes in a pool at the same time. Not having sex, just swimming. It'll hit you. It'll get you. <laughs> and so those people were waiting for me and Michelle to leave and they would come back and rescue the church. Let me tell you what I did. <laughs> I said, have a seat. Go ahead, devil, you can have a seat. And I started believing him instead of what the shepherd said. The devil said, I told you, Chris, you'd never be a pastor. You don't have what it takes. You're just not good enough. You need to pack your family and move back to Chattanooga, go back doing construction, because you can't do this. Now, I want to say something very bold. Had I continued to believe those lies, many of you would still be lost. Still be lost. And I'm so grateful that while I was telling everybody else what the lies the devil was telling me, I had an incredible wife named Michelle who began to pray for me and put her arm around me and say, Chris, she didn't say it in these, these many words, but what she said is, you've given the devil a seat at your table. You're a man of God, Chris. God saved you. He's gonna use you. Quit believing the lies the devil tells you, but Michelle, look all around. Look what's going on. Man, I, listen, and a lot of you are right there. Come on, are we, are, are we, can we be real? And you've got to lock eyes with the shepherd and take authority at this table and say, I'm no longer going to believe the lies of the devil. Not believing them. See, what we, what we think is sometimes, come on, that everybody's against us. The people at work, when we go there, they're talking about us. We get to a small group, they're talking, they stop because they were talking about you. And nobody really likes you, nobody really wants you around and you get paranoid and you start living your life like this right here because everybody's against you. Are you with me? This kind of life has no joy or victory. Even if it were true, which it is not, everybody's not against you. I prepared a table for you in the presence of all your enemies. Have a seat. Breathe in the peace. Experience what I have for you this morning, Chris. Elisha was telling the king of Israel every time the enemy was going to attack. And so the army would be there waiting. And the king of Assyria was furious. Who's spying on me? Who's telling the king? And one of his commanders said, oh, king, you don't have a spy. There's a man of God in Israel named Elisha. And he tells the king the thoughts you think while you're on your bed. And he said, go get him. And they find out that he's in a certain city in Israel and they surround at night the city waiting to kill the man of God. The man of God's servant gets up to go get a bucket of water and sees that they are what? Surrounded. 
He goes in, he says, Elisha, my master, we're dead. There's no hope. We're surrounded. And Elisha laughs. He said, listen, I've been at the table this morning with the father. Listen, I've been at the table. We're not surrounded. God, would you open his eyes? And as God opened the eyes of the servant, he realized they weren't surrounded. God had their enemies surrounded. Come on, somebody. God's got your enemies surrounded. God is for you, not against you. Man, he's got your enemies surrounded. Focus on your calling. Don't focus on the fight. This is the table of the presence of the Lord. At the Lord's, the Last Supper, who was there? An enemy. And Jesus washes their feet and he begins to tell them, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be arrested because one of you gonna betray me. And they said, that can't be, who is it? And he said, it's the one that I dip my bread into the bowl. As Judas's hand was going, he said, what you do, do quickly. And as Jesus got up and left, nobody in the room realized what's going on. Jesus didn't say, hey, by the way, that's why I didn't wash your stinking feet, you turncoat. No, no. While Jesus was at the table, he focused on the calling, not on the fight. See, God's for me. God's for my calling because my calling came from God. And God prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And my cup, my cup is overflowing. I get to walk in victory. Does this make sense? And let me tell you, when you're living that kind of way, listen, when you're, when you're living that way, you know what you can do? You can just give everything away. Here, have that, big daddy. You need that. You're dwindling away to nothing. Come on, right here. Come on, have you a muffin. Come on, right here, guys. Here we go, man. Come on, let's have a, come on, strawberry salute. Here it goes. Good catch. See, listen, the promise is not what's at the table, The promise is who's at the table. Jesus is at the table. Woo! My mercy. And it says in Psalms 34, 5, that we will walk with radiant faces. How are our faces radiant? Because we've been at the table with Jesus. We are witnesses. Why? Because with all hell breaking loose around us, We've got faces that are radiant with the glory of God because we've been seated with the shepherd and the savior of our souls. What a witness that our faces glow in the midst of this jacked up world. And we get to walk in victory. With Jesus, we have the victory. Though he slay me, yet will I praise him in the midst of being surrounded by hell. My enemies, all that's going on. Come on, I don't fight like the world fights. I don't fight with my fist right here at this table. This is how I fight my battles. Come on, somebody, man, come on. This is how I fight my battles. Right here with Jesus. This is how I fight my battles. Right here, baby, with Jesus. Come on, somebody in the house. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles.
got my enemy surrounded. Woo, come on, somebody. Woo, could be seated for just a second. It won't take long. Don't give the enemy a seat at your table. He's a liar, the father of lies. This is your opportunity in this moment to take authority at the table and say, anxiety, you're no longer welcome at my table. Fear, depression, worry, you're no longer welcome at my table. Lies and curses and suicide, you're no longer welcome at my table. I'm gonna lift my hands to the shepherd. I'm gonna breathe in his peace. I'm gonna lock eyes with the king at the table and I will fight my battles with his praise on my lips. Come on, this is how. Come on, somebody. It may look like I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you. Come on, I don't care. Looks like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded. Take authority. I'm surrounded by you. You feel a little better? Come on, you feel a little better? Feel a glory in the house? Go ahead and be seated for just a minute. Give me a second. Michelle Tag, you're in. Now we've been talking about sitting at the table and maybe you're with us at one of our campuses and you've never taken a seat at the table yet. (laughs) Can I tell you something? God invited you before time began and God has pulled out a chair for you this weekend and said, won't you come sit at the table prepared by King Jesus before eternity? No matter who you are, listen to me, I was a used up, drug dealing, worthless piece of flesh. No matter where you've been, the sin you've done, what you think, what's happening, there is room for you under the scandalous table of the glorious grace and mercy of the God with which we worship. There's room for the table, there's room for you at the table today. Come on. Romans 10, 13 says, whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10 said, if you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus as Lord, your Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. The heart we believe with the mouth we confess, resulting in salvation, transformation, a surrender of our life to him, that he now has control, but we now have a table. Are you with me? We've got a, we've got a table, and you can live your life, no matter what's happening around you, with the joy that is unspeakable, and the peace of God that is incomprehensible. So I'm gonna lead us in a simple prayer. If you're ready to step over the line of faith and make Jesus your Lord and shepherd at all of our campuses, we're gonna pray this prayer out loud with you and lend you part of our faith. So right now at all of our campuses, let's pray this simple prayer. Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned, I've failed, I've been my shepherd. 
I give you ownership. I confess you as my Lord. I will live your way. You paid the reservation. Help me take a seat at the table with you every day. Now, the heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that simple prayer with me, do me a favor. Nobody's going to drag you down an aisle, but just slip your hand up. Say, Pastor Chris, I prayed that prayer. I prayed that prayer. Go ahead right there. Keep holding them up. Our ushers are bringing you some cards. They're just going to put it in your hand. It's what your next step will be. Go ahead and hold it up. Anybody else? All right, come on. Let's celebrate with those that just gave their heart to Jesus. Come on. Wow. Wow. If that's you, we gave you a card, but listen, I'd like to ask you to take your, your communication card. It's in front of you online. You can click right here and fill it out and just put, I'm making a decision to follow Jesus. The second circle, I need to be baptized. If you're a guest, just fill it out, drop with your information. At the end of the service at all of our campuses, you can go to the information area. We've got a gift for you. Also, this weekend is week number one. In our next steps process, it's four weeks. This week is step number one, where faith, where faith Promise started. We're going to get in the DeLorean and go back in time and see where Faith Promise was, where it's going, and what God, where God wants to take you. It's incredible. It starts in, our, in the next service at Pellissippi. So just stick around, go to the chapel, and we'll be ready for you. Has it been good to be in the house of the Lord this weekend? Hey. Will you ever forget this sermon? Listen, the next time you've got pain, the next time the lies whisper in your ear, the next time you're surrounded, God is gonna bring that table to your mind and you're gonna remember, my shepherd's got a rod and he's got a staff and my shepherd is watching out for me and I'm not going to this valley, baby. I'm going through this valley and surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life. Now, as we get ready for worship through generosity, through bringing our tithes and offerings that the scripture says, those of us that, that serve the shepherd, that he owns our life, we worship him by bringing our tithes back. Michelle and I have already given this week, we gave online and about 75% of you have others give during the offering or use the kiosk or text or other methods we have. But it's during this time, I wanna show you a story. And this story is only possible because you guys are faithful in your bringing your tithes and offerings and what God has done. So I'm gonna pray, our ushers are gonna come. Uh, watch this during the offering. The worst team will come out, they're gonna lead in one more song and they'll dismiss you. Hey, do me a favor, listen. If you getting up and leaving before it's over means you're going out to serve, not you're gonna beat the Methodist to the Dairy Queen. We have a 60 minute worship experience. Don't cut it short at 56, are you with me? Come on, we'll, we'll get you off the park line, it's, it's okay. Forget out there, let's think about it in here, amen? Let's sit at the table. God, we love you, we're blessed beyond our wildest dreams. God, thank you for faithful people and how you're moving. Thank you for the table you prepared. And God, we're gonna live with greater victory because this weekend, bless the offering, the gift, and the giver is our prayer in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give God a shout as we're able to give.
Hi, my name is Tammy, and this is the story of how my life was changed and my son's life was changed with Faith Promise and the God Behind Bars ministry. The first time my husband and I visited Faith Promise, um, we heard a little bit of Pastor Chris's story, and it really gave me some hope for my son that was in prison that he would be able to come home and be able to overcome and make something of himself. I was excited to share the news with my son about this, and when he came home, the possibility of him being able to hear Pastor Chris and hear the same sermons that I was hearing. And um, about two years later, he was moved to a new facility. And the first time I went to visit him, I look up and there's a big FP on the wall. And I was just overcome with just joy and love, knowing he was gonna be able to share and hear the same word that I was hearing. And because of the God Behind Bars ministry, he did renew his relationship with Jesus and he actually found this Bible in the garbage. He cleaned it up. This became his most prized possession, and he would, um, he has a lot of verses in here that he's marked. We actually lost Evan six weeks ago uh, to congestive heart failure, and uh, in the end, he would reach for this Bible, and he would lay it in his lap, and he would put his hands on it, and he would pray, or he would say, Mama, come pray with me. And he had a sense of peace over him that he had not had in years and years. And he knew where he was going. And he would say, me and Jesus are good. We're good. And uh, there's never been a time that I was more proud of him than I was to watch him lean on Jesus when he needed it. And he would say, my story's not gonna end with the grave. My story's gonna go on. And I truly believe that he got to that place and he had that peace he had, and we had the peace because of the God Behind Bars ministry. From a mother's heart, I appreciate Faith Promise and their love for these guys and their, their ministry at the God Behind Bars. Faith Promise knows that Jesus still loves these people and that they love them too. And I appreciate what they've done for me and for my son.